Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. Our guest today is missionary turned preacher's wife, Courtney Strickland. Courtney, we've known each other for a few years. Well, since you married Evan, how long would that be? Seven years. Seven years. I didn't realize you've been married that long. Uh, what I know of your story has always been an inspiration to me, and I'm sure it's going to be to others, and that's why I'm so happy that you're willing to join me today for this podcast. And uh, I think we should get right to it. I'm, I'm just ready to, to hear your story. So, Courtney, tell us your story. Sure. Um... Um, I did not grow up in a Christian home, um, neither did my mother and father. So I, I was thinking about it this morning, and I, mean, I don't know that we even had a Bible in our house. <laughs> I really, really, I really don't. Yeah, I don't remember any of that. Um, we, my parents separated when I was born, the same year I was born. Um, and so we had a little bit of rocky things going on, but um, uh, I noticed. Probably when I was about eight years old, um, my parents, they started to um, you know, go to church on Easter Sunday. And um, but it was just a Sunday service at a random church, and then we'd go home and carry on with our lives. And uh, I think we are kind of maybe looking for some quick fix or something, you know, just right. to feel good. And, um, now, is this your, your father and stepmother? Or mother? My mother? biological mother and father. Right. They stayed oh. uh, together. Um, they oh. were separated, but they stayed in the same home. Oh, so, okay. Um, my two older brothers and myself and my All right. father. And uh, um, that was my first introduction to Jesus, I think. was I remember an Easter Sunday. I remember they gave a little stuffed lamb. I was eight years old, and um, it was a faith-only church, and they, you know, prayed a slow prayer, and Jesus would come into your heart. And, and I didn't know anything about anything, and um, I just remember feeling really good. Um, yeah. And that group of people. And I came home and slept with that lamb every night and would just tell God how much I loved him. And, and that was kind of that for a couple of years. We never know what we do with the church when we do something like that. Give a lamb. Right. Yeah. You don't know what that does. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that was really, that's my first memory of Jesus. Was, wow. Was, I could picture it now, that little lamb. And um, mm. uh, but that's all I really knew was Jesus loved me and I love him back. And that's all wow. I had at eight. And um, so I kind of, I think as a child, it kind of just comes naturally. You know, you feel loved, and so you want to love back. And um, right. I remember talking to Jesus, talking to that lamb sometimes, and um, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what prayer was, really. And right. um, But for a few years, and then um, <clears throat> when I was in junior high, I got invited uh, to a local church with a friend of mine, and they were having some, you know, big bash back to school thing and um, it just sounded like fun so I went and um, pretty soon they had more events and we just kept getting invited and then they invited me to go on you know Sunday morning and Wednesday night and it was just it was something to do and it, it was great people and um, I think that's kind of just how it got started but the more I was there they uh, that church had given me um, a bible they asked if I had a bible and I didn't so they gave me one and um at this point, um, nobody in my family were believers yet, and just my two older brothers and myself were the ones going to church, just with right. friends tagging along. Um, but uh, I think just through really God's patience and His grace, um, I would learn little things here and there. And looking back now, I feel like my understanding was pretty incorrect doctrinally <laughs> right. but what I did know um God just slowly sort of started slowly pulling me along um on this journey and uh, I was just constantly opening doors and opening my eyes to new things and once I had that bible I I read it all the time um I how old would you have been do you think I was about 11, 11 wow yeah and I I just loved it and uh really God was just speaking to me, and I didn't know any of this at the time. It was just, I don't know, I was, I guess, falling in love with him and didn't know it. And um, that Bible was 
so marked up and so many things written in it. And um, again, you know, looking back at my 11-year-old understanding, I didn't really have anybody discipling me or anybody um, really sitting down and explaining the scriptures or things. So I took it at face value, you know, and sometimes I got it right, sometimes I didn't, but um, but I just kept kept going and God was gracious and, and <laughs> my misunderstanding sometimes. And, um, and then when I was 13, um, I, I had realized just through reading and um, through just what I was learning at church that um, God says repent and be baptized. And um, I thought, well, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> I need to do that. And so uh, when I was 13 years old, um, both my brother and I on the same day, we, we were baptized. And, and where was that? Where were you living? Um, Southern California at the time. Um, really? Yes, sir. Wow. Yeah, I was at a, a church there. And it, um, I can't tell you all the details of how. I think as a, a kid, I didn't see a lot of what was going on. Um, but by the time I was baptized, I remember um, my family had started to attend occasionally. And my parents had started to attend with us occasionally, but not very often. Um, at this point, they were divorced, both of them remarried, um, and I had a stepbrother and a stepsister younger than myself, and they had all sort of started attending occasionally, some more than others, um, and so, um, but it, overall, I really felt like, uh, especially the brother right above me, we really depended on each other in our new, fresh faith, um, um, so anyway, uh, I guess I I realized, um, I think it was God leading my heart that just through what I was reading, there were things that I desired to add to, um, right. you know, just spending time praying um, every day, spending time with the Lord. Um, there were, you know, good things that, you know, I wanted to add to my life right. um, in my relationship, but I was still very much... Um, almost blinded to a lot of the, the sin nature that I was still just living in. Um, and so I was, while I was adding to, you know, I started out with just, I love Jesus and then adding good things. Um, and then, I, but I was really blinded to these things that I needed to get rid of in my life. Um, whether bad habits or, um, temptations, addictions, things like that. And, um, it wasn't until early high school. Um, my parents had, Finally, you know, we lived in the same town even though they were divorced, but my parents had finally done the um, stereotypical custody battle thing and oh. moved out of state with some of them and not all of them. And so we had that big ordeal, and it was a really rough time in our life. Um, I was a freshman in high school when we moved. That's a, that's a tough time anyway. Yeah. And then they have all that going on too. <laughs> Absolutely. But it was good that you had a faith that was growing. Yeah, and yeah. It, it was... It was a story of God using something ugly, um, not that God causes those things, right. but using something that was already ugly to make something beautiful. Because I, I remember um, just that eighth grade freshman year, like in encompassing feeling, um, lots of feelings of just not, not feeling good at home, not enjoying being at home, um, not really feeling comfort, um, and so I, I really leaned heavily into the church uh, as a church body at that time. You know, it was me and Jesus for a while, and then I, I started to appreciate the church body and that fellowship of believers, and man, I was at church every time the doors were open. <laughs> it was a place to be and a safe place and a, a place where I felt like um, I had like-minded people um, encouraging me and spurring me on, and I really started to value the church. Um, I I grew up in it, in the, valuing the church too because my family quit going to church. My parents when I was six, oh, nice. and I took myself because I didn't have a good relationship with my dad, sure. and I didn't learn a lot of good things doctrinally. Mm -hmm. But what you're saying is so real to me because for me, I what I did learn was that people who love God were good people. Yes, exactly. And that's all I needed to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just exactly yeah. what I needed at that time. Yeah. For good people in my life. So God really <clears throat> God really loved on me through the church body, um, that freshman year especially, and then on through high school. 
Um, and that's that's when he started to reveal to me too that um, I saw the good in these people, and I um, I started to just be confronted with that sin nature a little bit more. And um, it took. I mean, I'm not I'm not there yet. I'm still struggling with my sin nature every single day, but. Um, the ones that I felt you know, enslaved to at the time, um, God just gently and patiently um, showed me a way out, you know, like He does. Um, so um, I had moved with half of my family uh, from Cal- Southern California to um, the Midwest to Missouri. Well, that's a change, isn't it? <laughs> it was. It was a culture shock. Was it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very words I was going to say. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I. I still, I loved it. Um, I've always loved people in different cultures. Southern California in itself has a lot of culture. And sure. so I, I appreciated that. But it was. It was the first time I'd ever moved in my life. And so, oh, wow. new school, new everything. And, um, and what grade were you in when you made this move? Um, it, I was my, a freshman in high school. Oh, that was still the freshman year? Yes, when I, okay. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's really why I think I was that sense of loneliness and just everything changed and everything was different and I the church in um, Missouri in Marshfield Missouri um, is where I really started to enjoy that fellowship um, and those deeper relationships and what church was that in Marshfield Hillside Christian Church Hillside Christian Church okay Mm -hmm. and uh, I stayed there um, the first couple years of um, high school and they were so good to me Uh, that youth group I learned a lot I was challenged a lot um we, I went on my very first um, mission trip, and I, I had done something, I guess you can say a mission trip before. Um, <laughs> I had traveled uh, with the church in California um, prior to this, uh, you know, just hop in the border. Right, because you're right there, yeah, sure. <laughs> you didn't have to fly or passports right. or anything. So we hopped the border once with a church family and um, got to meet a church family, um, but in at Hillside, I, I went on um, a mission trip there. We did church camps. I'd never been to church camp before and things like that. So I, I just got to see, um, I guess, the church in action a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and it was during that time that the family that I had moved with, um, like I said, some of my family started attending church at this point. Um, but uh, the family that I had moved with, um, they still God hadn't touched their heart seat yet, quite yet you know right. they still had a little bit of callous and um, so it was at home it was very um, it was a lonely feeling but I had my brother um, my brother Scott and I especially leaned on each other and um, we were our faith was tested and challenged a lot at home um, and I say that um with love and grace, um, because yeah. I know God has worked on hearts since then, and it's been beautiful to watch that process. Um, but at the time, um, home was a hard place to be. It was counter to what I saw God leading me to, and constantly um, just refining every day. Um, right. And um, I think God was strengthening my. Um, I think I had a word that uh, really just helping me to stand firm, um, even if it was just me, <laughs> right. walking in the Lord, or um, just the two of us, you know, just obey, obey, you know, no matter what, obey no matter what, obey no matter what, and uh, so, so I did, and um, sometimes it went well, sometimes it didn't, <laughs> but... Um, you know, you said at Hillside you, you mm-hmm. did a, a mission trip. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. where, where did you go on that mission trip? <laughs> Um, we, we had gone to, let's see, <clears throat> I'm forgetting now, we've been on... Well, you're so old, Courtney, you have to take back. I say it jokingly for our listeners, because she, she's not. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't tell you the details, uh, I just know that we were so busy, and, um, I've done a lot of short-term little things, and I'm trying to keep track of where I was and what we were doing at the time. Um, But I honestly remember feeling brokenhearted. Um, You know, God God likes to use what we love. Um, We're baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. We're gifted in certain ways, but 
he also likes to say, you know, if you if you love something and or you enjoy something, use it for my glory. And um, I've always been interested in, in culture and language. That's just something that I've been fascinated with. Um, in high school, I really started um, taking every language class I could. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, I remember seeing an article. I don't even know where it came from at the time. I saw an article of, um, it just showed a picture. I can see it today. Um, it was a, a community in Africa. And um, this mother was, uh, it was just a picture of her wailing um, with a casket. And she was burying her son. And it was, um, it was, the article was just about um, the, the grief and their loss in, um, I'm That's right. all this now as I'm saying it. Uh, the article was um, about their grief and loss and, and really in a, um, on a physical level. Um, and I, through sickness and things like that, helped carry me. And I remember seeing that and just struggling with that and feeling like, you know, I, I can't help all those physical needs. Um, but I remember feeling like, God, looking at that mother's face, feeling like, what if she doesn't know? What if she doesn't know about Jesus? And um, wow. it, it broke my heart, and I just felt like, I want to go. <laughs> you know, I want to go. Yeah. Let me go. And um, it, I, I just couldn't settle with the fact that she might be dealing with that without knowing Jesus, or that she might, um, that she would just live the rest of her life and maybe die just like her child and not know. And there's most people in the world, me. isn't it? Yeah. And, yeah. and I started to realize that, you know, that there are people all over the world that don't know Jesus and they don't know that they love him or that yeah. he loves them, you know. And um, so that, that's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not okay with me. And um, I need to go. I need to go. So I, I it was uh, my sophomore year of high school um, when I had seen that. And I cut out that article and I put it in my Bible and I look back on that all the time and I just really, it was like then I, I really felt like God was saying like, okay, then go, <laughs> you know, yeah, then go. You know, I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> That's for sure. And um, so all the rest of high school, I've got lots of little details, but I don't feel like I feel like bigger picture. The rest of high school and early college, I was working towards. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. And um, did you know where you wanted to go? Was it Africa um, that you really wanted to go to, or just anywhere? Africa was on my heart. I think yeah. because of the article. Um, it was also uh, back during, um, <laughs> you know, back in the day. Right. <laughs> back in the day on yeah. TV, oftentimes you'd see um, commercials oh, about and children and people in yeah. need and poverty. And I think that physical need kept tugging at my heart. Um, but uh, and so it was like a an added boost of motivation in that direction. I just really, because of how I grew up, I didn't know a missionary. I didn't know, um, I knew that there were missionaries, but I didn't know how common they were. I didn't know any personally. I'd never read any stories of missionaries. I just, you know, Paul is a missionary. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I just, well, I can go and, you know, they have plans for that, I guess. And so, um, so I always just had Africa in mind. I'm, I'm going to be a missionary in Africa. And you can ask my family. I've been saying that since my sophomore year. I'm going to be a missionary in Africa. So from that point did, on... Did they think you were kind of nutty or... Yeah, they they <laughs> even told me after I, we thought it was a phase. You know, we thought it would blow over eventually. Um, and, uh, but every, honestly, every decision, I felt like that's what God wanted me to do. And so every decision I made after that was with that in mind. If it didn't fit, then it, I wasn't okay with it you know even even dating boys it's like you know if, if they didn't feel like mission work was for them well then I don't I'm not gonna waste my time well. <laughs> you know and it was uh the courses I took in college and the college I went to and just everything the things I did um I had just had that at the forefront of my mind making decisions and um it wasn't until let's see between my junior and senior year of college um uh, I had been for about a year and a half um, fundraising and uh, doing trainings and things like that with an organization 
um, Africa Inland Mission. And yeah. I had gotten all the way down there. I was in New York and at a training. Um, and they got to the point where it's like, okay, we've done everything now. You just have to decide. There are several teams. Which one are you going with? And all of a sudden, this weight was on me. And I felt like this screeching halt inside my heart. And it was like, oh, no. You know, I felt... God lead me once, and then I was. I realized at that time that I had taken the reins and ran with it, and I stopped uh, asking God what He wanted with my life. And it's like it, it might be a good thing, but it's my good thing, you know. And and I stopped asking. Thy kingdom God. come, not my kingdom yes, come, right? <laughs> yes. And so I came to this realization at that training, and I said, I'm going to need to think about this for a minute. I haven't prayed about this, and um, so I. I went home. I think I was the only one who didn't decide that day where I was going. And I went home and was just wrecked for a while. And I realized, like, God, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I stopped talking to you a long time ago. I, I heard you lead. I felt you lead me in one direction. And then I took control again. And I ran with it. I've been running with it ever since. And it's a so, problem a lot of us have. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it. It might be a good thing, but it might not be what God's asking you to do in right. that season. Right. There are a lot of good things you can do yes. mm-hmm. that that are good for the kingdom, yes, but they're sir. not what God mm-hmm. would have you do. Yes. I mean, he has another plan, and That's we right. take our plans and run with them, don't mm-hmm. we? Yeah. yeah. And I know my, my nature is to control. <laughs> I need control, and so I have realized that, and it, it scared me how much I thought that I was in line with what God wanted, but I... God wasn't even involved in it anymore, you know, that I was doing right. my own thing and orchestrating everything and making my plans. And um, and so I came back, you know, and my family, I've been talking about this for you, my family, my friends, they're like, so where are you going? Where are you going? I said, I don't know. <laughs> they're like, well, it's your senior year of college, you know, what are you yeah. going to do? I said, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. Um, and so that senior year was, it was a struggle, um, not necessarily for me personally but just a struggle within myself of of checking constantly checking going okay is this me or god is this me or god you know and um i was like two months from my from graduating from college and i still had no idea what i was gonna do come you know may june and uh, a good friend of mine from college he said hey i know your heart and i know i know um you know where you're gifted and what god loves and I'm going, he's a, he's a Haitian and right. grew up in an orphanage there. And he said, I know you're still trying to figure it out, but in the meantime, if you want to come uh, down with me, um, I'm going back to Haiti for, you know, uh, about a month and a half. There's always something to do if you want something to do in the meantime while you're praying about it. And uh, I said, why not? You know, why not? Right. So um, I was living on campus and I didn't have anything about my car at the time. And so um, I sent out a letter, and some people had helped a little bit, but I was working. So I just kind of took what I had. I could buy a plane ticket, and I went down there. And um, <clears throat> while I was down there, um, there were so many ways to serve. Um, again, similarly to that article, there was a lot of physical need. Um, but I felt my focus was spiritual. Um, I can't meet all the physical needs. Um, but I could tell people about Jesus. And, yeah. Uh, Sometimes we get caught up on the physical needs. Yes, and uh, Evan and I talked about that in, when I interviewed him. Oh, yeah. And we, <laughs> and, and we totally forget the spiritual, what we're really, yeah. what is the important thing that, mm-hmm. eternity. Yeah. 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 And I've never been more aware of how temporary life is. And um, just that, that focus has been reignited in me even today. But, um, yeah. But I was down there, and um, yeah, we we did do a lot of the physical stuff. And I was learning language. There's a language barrier, you know, for the first month, but um, caught on pretty quickly uh, with some help, and um, was really building relationships despite that language barrier. Uh, there's just when you meet somebody who does love Jesus, God, God jumps hurdles over those right. barriers that we put up, you uh-huh. know. Um, and so I came time for my flight to come home and uh, I got home and everybody was asking about it and I said, you know, I don't feel like God's asking me to live and die in Haiti, but I don't feel done yet. You know, I don't feel done. 
Um, and so I, like I said, all I had was my car. <laughs> so I thought, well, I could get a plane ticket with that. <laughs> so yeah. I sold my car and, uh, and moved back down. And so you just sold your car to get a plane ticket and went? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I had enough then. I didn't know, you know, I just, I didn't know. Why not? <laughs> that was the only thing keeping so, me. So you had no regular distance, support, really. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. You just sold the car and mm -hmm. said, I'm going to move down there and figure it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. See, that's and part I, of that amazing story I wanted you to tell. <laughs> because God takes care of us when we, when we follow the leading. Yes, so he does. And I've never, I've never truly been in need. Um, and he's taken care of me in the States. Why couldn't he take care of me there, you know, and. Um, I moved down there, and um, I ended up staying um, at an orphanage there for a while, and um, trying to, I realized culturally uh, to build relationship in the community, um, in Haitian culture, you really need to be inviting people into your home for meals, or going into people's homes for right. meals, and um, I, I saw that, um, you know, I loved the children, and I wanted to protect the children, but that wasn't feasible for me in that situation, and so... I started looking. Um, there's another gal there, a younger missionary, and um, we kind of went in together and decided, let's try to find a place in the community um, so we can kind of dig a little deeper and build a better relationship with people here. So um, we found a, a little house just in town, in the, in the village, and um, we rented it, and we didn't have electricity. We didn't have uh, air or anything. We didn't have water. We went to the well to get our water and stuff. Wow. But it was right in the heart. I mean, we, you could walk to the busiest street in town, and we saw people every day brushing shoulders, and and it was a lot of fun. It was crazy at times. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of things that, um, looking back, I see that God was protecting me. <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, was blissfully naive to some things, but I also I, I don't think that all of it was. Just being naive. There were things that um, I felt like, well, I don't know if this is a good idea, but who else is going to go? <laughs> you yeah, know, or, right. God, I, I prayed a lot while I was naive. <laughs> God, uh, I don't know what to do in this situation, but I feel like I need to be here. And so. How were you able to sustain yourself? Once you, I mean, you sold the car, bought mm -hmm. the ticket, went down there. Did you have... Um, cost of living helped. <laughs> I had some saved up uh, just yeah. from when I had worked in college. Um, I'd saved a little bit. Um, so the little bit that I had as a college student stretched for many months, probably about half the time I was there. Um, and then <laughs> then uh, I got an email one day, and um, it was from a man named Greg Strickland. Wow. You know I've him. heard that name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Greg Strickland. Let me say, where's that name for Yeah. <laughs> and I had never heard of Greg Strickland at this time, and... Um, he had just said um, he was a minister at a, a church in Marshall, Missouri, and um, it was a church plant, and they're fairly fresh, and they weren't supporting any missionaries. And he said, um, your mom and stepdad um, have begun coming to our church, which was an answered prayer in itself for me. Um, they had begun coming to our church, and we got to talk to him, and I learned about you, and we don't support any missionaries yet. I'd like to talk to you a little bit more. And it was foreign to me because I thought, oh, okay, I didn't know, you know, I didn't you know, know people you, did that. You didn't know people did that. You <laughs> so were on the mission field and had no idea that people would support <laughs> yeah. missionaries. I didn't know that, uh, you know, I'd send a letter to family and friends, you know, that, right. but I, I never thought to talk to a church, like to, to speak to a preacher, wow. especially when I didn't know. And, um, and so I thought, okay, you know, what do you want to talk about? And, um, <clears throat> So I had I'd come back for about a month and ended up substitute teaching at a for a preschool, uh, just to sort of get a little bit more income. But while I was there, um, uh, I had a chance to sit down and have coffee with Greg and his wife Lori, and um, we just kind of talked. And I I felt um, almost foolish during that conversation because Greg asked a lot of questions I had no answers to. <laughs> he said, "Well, how do you you know?" How can you communicate with people? Are you, you know, with internet or with? I said, oh, I, no, I, I don't know. I guess <laughs> I don't know. I'm just down. I'm, in town. I'm just down there ministering to people. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. And he said, well, what do you, you know, do you have this set up? Do you have this? And I, should I? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I guess I never thought about it. And and I realized, um, I, I think during that conversation, I realized uh, that 
there are so many different ways of doing things. And I, I was oblivious. So I just sort of, God said it, let's go do it. And you, you did really what our early missionaries in the Christian <laughs> church did. They, they, uh, they just said, we've got to go, and they went. And sometimes, as time went on, they learned to raise funds. Mm -hmm. yeah. But a lot of times, they just sold everything they had and went mm -hmm. to the mission field because they, people need to know about Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how I many like times. that about that. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. There were times that I did eat once a day, um, but so did the Haitians. And, and there were times that a neighbor would knock on my door with a meal for me. Um, wow. Right when I felt like, oh, there's nothing in my cabinet, you know, where I... I don't have a way to cook anything that I do have right now. Or um, I would, I was, I'd gotten pretty strong in the language. And so some other uh, missionaries or short-term teams in the area would call on me to translate um, for doctors or for, um, you know, their vacation Bible schools or whatever they were doing. Dentists. Right. And so some days um, I, I really got busy doing things and, and I was trying to, um, help other people who were there to love on people and um, so sometimes I would have days where I was busy doing that and um, and I would come home and uh, gosh the heat and the humidity of the day and the dust and everything I just couldn't wait to rinse off and I, I had a little bucket and I had a shower but no running water so I'd have a, a little bucket in the shower and a cup and I had a, a jug that I would go and refill um, at the well and I would just kind of pour the, the water on me and bathe as best I could. And I used that water to flush the toilet that I had at the end of the day. And there were days where I'd come home and was so ready to, to rinse off and realize I don't have water. I got to walk to the well at 9 o'clock at night, pitch black in Haiti, and fetch water. And, um, and before I, the thought even finished in my head, my neighbor was knocking on, knocking on my door saying, Hey, I noticed you didn't have water. Here's a couple, you know, jugs. You. I had my, my daughter go and fetch earlier in the day. Wow. And it was, I mean. Before we ask, God already knows our need. Exactly. And yeah. I, I can't even pretend like that wasn't an every other day situation for me. That was just, my life was, God did everything and I was just tired of part of it. <laughs> I think <laughs> you, you know? should write a book, My Life in Haiti. <laughs> even though it wasn't long, oh, you know, man, it wasn't terribly long. I could stories all day long. <laughs> I could listen to them all day long. These are great stories. But God is so good and he knows what we need and um and i mentioned greg before um i love i love sharing that story and that that part of greg uh just asking all these questions because now um i think evan had shared a little bit maybe before and how we met but well, greg look, is now that's my, all right so we might have missed that yeah, podcast okay. so you go ahead and, and tell it <laughs> okay um so so i've been communicating with greg through email and then we had coffee and um and all of a sudden, I got this email from this kid in college named Evan Strickland, and um, and I remember the email, and it was so professional, and just so, you know, I had a roommate at the time, and I remember reading the email, and then just sort of stopping for a minute, and I looked at it, and I was like, you gotta read this, <laughs> and <laughs> laughing about it, and I was like, some college kid messaged me, you know, messaging saying, you know, how do I become you, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And I laughed so hard about that, and it was so professional. I didn't think twice about anything. And um, and this Evan Strickland kid, he was he had a heart for missions, and um, he, his sister was adopted from China. And so his experience was maybe orphanage work could sort of get me into a country to share the gospel. And, um, and you know, I was... I had experience living and working in an orphanage, and I didn't know anything that I was, you know, within yeah. this story, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. So I felt <laughs> foolish, you know, I felt like, oh gosh, this kid is asking me. I don't know. I just went, you know, I don't I have a clue how to get in. I think so many people who have done working. wonderful things in, in, in life don't realize they've done something that's actually very wonderful until somebody else says, this is wonderful. Tell me how you did it. I we think, well, I don't so. know. I just, <laughs> I just living for Jesus. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure why you asked me, yeah. but, um, but that's definitely how I felt. And I thought, I, I don't know what to tell this kid. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, so we talked, we just started talking and, and I realized, man, this kid lo loves the Lord and he's so passionate. Um, about the gospel and spreading the word and willing to do anything for it. And um, 
through our conversation, we just started to talk more and more, and I realized how easy it was to talk to him, and um, we never ran out of things to talk about. It's like everything I'm passionate about, you're passionate about, and um, so we just kind of ran circles in our conversations over and over and over, and I, I started to fall in love with him, and um, and it turns out he was Greg Strickland's son. <laughs> yeah. When did you find that out? When did you figure that out? Um, he, well, I, I had known, I had known that, you know, he said, my, you've been talking with my dad and he said, you know, he said, my dad said, um, that, you know, you're, you have ex- some experience working with an orphanage, um, and I should talk to you to you know, kind of pick your brain a little bit. And yeah. I wonder what else Greg had in mind when he did <laughs> <Yes>. that. <laughs> Evan and I joke that we have an arranged marriage yeah. because, um, since then, uh, we, you know, we started dating. Evan came down to Haiti for about a month and a half. He stayed at the orphanage when I was living there in town, and we got to work alongside each other in um, ministry there for that month and a half. Um, then he went back home, and I stayed another seven months. And the night I came home, he proposed to me. And uh, let's see, it was in January, so four months later, we got married. Yeah. The last seven years, and I uh, haven't regretted it a day in my life. Um, but I, I, I said tongue-in-cheek earlier, you know, about Greg, I laughed telling that story when we sat and had coffee because he's my father-in-law now. Yeah. And, man, he's a good dad. And yeah. I, I love looking back on that story, seeing how much he loved me um, because he... Greg takes care of people. He takes care of his people. Yeah. And um, that's how he loves. And <laughs> I didn't know then. I felt uh, I felt intimidated speaking to a preacher about mission work I was doing and didn't have any answers to. And now I look back so fondly on that memory, realizing the depth of love that Greg had for me and wanted me taken care of. And uh, yeah. it's it's been good. Evan and I... I think you sh- may have shared a little bit, but um, we have we helped uh, start a church in Rogersville, Missouri. Um, he's done some Rogersville, there. yeah. We um, we've had an opportunity. We were looking into long-term missions, uh, cult- cross-cultural missions, and um, so we've explored um, Indonesia and Romania. <clears throat> um, we've done some traveling here and there, um, and. We had an opportunity to serve in Newfoundland, Canada, for a year. Um, God brought us back. Our visas um, expired, and we weren't able to get a chance to stay there very long. But um, he had something waiting for us here. And um, we've been at Antioch Christian Church here in Hickory, Mississippi, for um, the past two years. And uh, every every change, every step. I think back, um, you know, when I reflect on me just passionately pursuing Africa um, right. rather than passionately pursuing God's will for my life. I like I like that. That's, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I've learned to hold my plans loosely. Um, I've seen God change our plans a million times, and it's always been better. Every change. Yeah. Every change is um, maybe the changing process has been a struggle for us, um, but we've always come out the other side um, just so much more blessed, understanding the Lord better, and uh, we really would have missed out on blessings had we just held those plans with a tight fist. And uh, so we've been—I think Antioch is the longest we've been anywhere the past two years. We've moved a lot in our marriage, and um, and I wouldn't change it for a bit. You know, I think we get an idea of I want to go serve on the mission field, mm-hmm. and. Sometimes we don't realize what a great mission field the U.S. is, and yes. and how many, uh, you know, a few years back, uh, the U.S. was, I think, third in line for the receiving the most missionaries, mm-hmm. Christian missionaries sent from other countries to our country to convert us to Christ, mm-hmm. and uh, when so you think, uh, you uh, yeah, am I on the mission field? Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago, I was uh, really. Uh, enthused and encouraged and convicted I needed to go to South Africa mm-hmm. for uh, just uh, for a month mm-hmm. and, and work with some missionaries I knew there mm-hmm. and I began preparing for that and it was it was me mm-hmm. it's kind of like me it was me and I was going to go and my 
daughter Kristen was pretty young, but she was going to go make the trip with me. She was, I mean, grade school age. And my church had given me uh, a month leave of absence to do it, and I was taking my two weeks vacation, so I was going to be gone six weeks. And uh, I knew I could raise the funding to go, and all that prepared, and all of a sudden God... Uh, shifted things. I got a call from Arkansas in a church down in Arkansas that needed my help. Mm -hmm. And to go there in their timing would mean I couldn't go to Africa. Mm -hmm. And I got to looking and realized at the time there were 200 Christian churches in South Africa mm -hmm. and less than 50 in the state of Arkansas. Yes. And look now that there are maybe 18 Christian churches in the whole state of Mississippi. And here you are, and to me that's a missionary. <laughs> and especially, uh, it's not it's not Africa, but you are in the jungle here. <laughs> when you really look at it, my hair's still doing the same thing. I think. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you've been here for about two years. Tell us about your current ministry and, and how that's going. Um. Personally, I've wrestled with that from being here. I'm, I'm still figuring out my role here. Um, right. Everything else Evan and I have ever done, we've sort of done um, the we've done the, the ministry itself as a team. And right. this is the first place that we've been where, um, you know, as a preacher's wife, as Evan's wife, I um, Evan is involved in a lot of the ministry uh, I say that in quotes air quotes right. here in right. the ministry um, but I've really really been discovering my ministry as a mom and my ministry to Evan uh, since I've been here and um, that doesn't mean that um, I don't still feel the Lord's leadings you know I drive by a house and feel like God will just kind of tug on my heart a little bit like go knock on the door real quick you know I, yeah. I still I still feel the Lord um, very much leading me, uh, as each one of us should. As If you're a believer, we should be feeling those things and hearing the Lord's voice um, and whisper sometimes and being obedient in those little ways. Um, but as far as being the, I thought it was funny, this is the front lines. As far as being on the front lines, yeah. you know, the, the um, I feel like I've, I've been able to sort of step back and um, focus my ministry on uh, Evan in particular, and then raising up disciples in my children. Well, you know, I've thought about this before, and we and uh, Beth and I have talked about this. That I, as I go back to some of these churches, mm -hmm. that when when the preachers' wives are willing to, I want to interview them. Mm -hmm. And uh, you think about you call it behind the front lines, or <laughs> or, or front, uh, you know, supporting the front lines. But actually, I can't say that having uh, haven't been married to a preacher's wife now for over 44 years I know she's on the front thank you <laughs> I think so she's on the front lines she is uh, and you are on the front lines uh, there are times and there are seasons in your life where you're not uh, you're not right there doing every ministry thing with the people in the church because you're ministering to your children mm -hmm. but there are also uh, you're constantly ministering to your husband who is who needs your support because he can't do it. Uh, people who think ministry in local churches in America is an easy thing, uh, they've never done it, right? <laughs> yeah. They've never done it. They don't know. And you are a frontline servant because you help keep your husband going. And we've said this so many times. And I've talked to so many young men and said, and in fact, I was I was talking to uh, one of your elders here to, uh, this week, and actually he brought it up, I think, that uh, young men need to be taught who are going in ministry, you're, whoever you marry will make or break what you do. Mm -hmm. And and uh, traveling in, in, in revivals, uh, your father-in-law and mother-in-law and Beth and I have all seen mm -hmm. where ministers struggle so hard because their wives don't support them or they don't encourage them when they're down. Uh, they can't speak with them. They won't have anything to do with it. Or their wives just leave them because they can't handle the pressures of the ministry. So to me, that's a frontline servant. That's, there's, there's no, uh, 
I understand what you mean by taking a step back, but there's no step back really from being when your husband is the preacher of a local church. And, and, uh, and since your husband is an evangelist mm -hmm. and, and uh, he's, he does pastoral work because all ministers do, even though we have elders or the pastors, yeah. <laughs> he still does pastoral work. And because sometimes the elders are working or sometimes that's, They've not learned that yet, mm -hmm. but we all, all preachers do pastoral work, but he is an evangelist mm -hmm. uh, first and foremost, like his dad and like his brother and like me, that's what we're called to be. And so he's a missionary. He's mm -hmm. a soul winner. Mm -hmm. And you are on front lines of mission work right where you're at. Mm -hmm. And and I believe, and I'm not trying to talk too much here in, in your place, but I believe that that everything we do and everything God has led us brings us to the point where we are today. Mm -hmm. And yes. we followed you. We followed you with your look at Indonesia. We followed you with your look at Romania mm -hmm. and your time in Canada. We supported you in your time in Canada. And always in prayer we supported you. But but uh, we realized the struggles you went through. And I can't help but believe that all of that was training mm -hmm. and, and bringing you to the point of where you are today. Yes. And where That's you exactly are today... Right will bring you to the point where you are in 30 years from now. And it may be that the point where you are 30 years from now is right here in Hickory, Mississippi, mm -hmm. uh, winning souls out in, in the forest of, of South Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Or it may be that God has you on a foreign mission field mm -hmm. or some other mission field in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God is training you for that. Absolutely. And certainly trained you in Haiti when you didn't even know what you were doing <laughs> and couldn't answer Greg's questions. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, I um, <laughs> I definitely, to anybody who might be picking up a Bible for the first time or might feel like they've been preached at for a long time but they've not really dug in themselves, um, sometimes it can be intimidating to open up a Bible um, when we're when we're at, just listening to our flesh. Right. Open up the Bible and I don't know what I'm reading, you know, but um, God doesn't hide us. He doesn't hide his words. He wants to be known, and um, he wants to have a relationship. And so, I would just encourage people that if if you have no idea where to start, just start. <laughs> if you don't know where to start, open it up. I used to, you know, just I didn't know how to study a Bible. Um, even yeah. the past couple of years, I've been learning, um, but still very new at it. But I used to just randomly close my eyes and open up the Bible and I'm sure God will lead me to whatever I need to be reading today and that's how I did it and you know if God did he was gracious to me um, there are probably some better ways to study the Bible um, but it's a great starting point and um, there's nothing wrong with doing whatever you do now I think if you know if you know as much as you know a grain Right. You just obey that, and God will start revealing more to you. You know, you don't have to understand all of it. You don't have to know everything. Um, and I've seen how gracious He is and merciful. Um, and mm. sometimes our misunderstandings, when we're our heart is trying so hard to understand, He is a merciful God, and mm. and He'll make Himself known in time. And, uh, As parents, we we always appreciate when our children are trying real hard even if they yeah. even if they don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. you think wow look at that mm -hmm. and i think god looks at us like that and says mm -hmm. wow look at this child of mine and they mm -hmm. they love me so much they wanted they they read this and they have no idea what they're doing mm -hmm. uh, i was told the week after i was baptized you're going to preach in two weeks wow. and i didn't know i i opened the bible <laughs> and it was look it was like looking at a foreign language yeah. Thankfully, in high school, I loved to read Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. So, and I had a King James version. This was the seventies, and <laughs> I could I, I could actually read it, and it flowed for me very well. But I didn't know what I was looking at. But uh, God said, "Okay, He's willing. We'll we'll let Him do it." It was a pitiful sermon, but but uh, He used that and made and people made public decisions, and which made me know right then what I was supposed to do. You and you willing. and and yeah, because I was willing. And you went on the mission field. You, you knew what you were supposed to do for years. You worked toward that. And then uh, you listened to God when he, he showed you Africa's not it. Mm -hmm. And because you listened to him, he sent you to Haiti. And because you went to Haiti, he connected you with Greg and Lori Strickland. Yes, and because he connected you with them, he connected you with Evan. Mm -hmm. Everything working in his order. And because you're willing to be obedient. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, anything, uh, you said some real good things here about, about just doing what you can do. Uh, anything else you might want to share today? Um, I don't know. I mean, I coming here, I even told Evan, um, and I was telling Greg, too. I felt a little silly because I thought, well, I mean, what do I have to share? <laughs> well, I didn't, I never knew what I was doing. I was flying by the seat of my pants and yeah. wherever God led. And I, I don't really know any of the... Um, fancy stuff. I, I'm not very eloquent. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I would disagree. I would, dis- <laughs> I would disagree with both of those statements. <laughs> but um, I, God had put um, David on my heart this morning. Um, I almost felt, I almost felt, <laughs> I was trying to imagine um, this conversation and feeling like, God, why I'm like a David amongst soldiers here, you know, thinking of all the preachers, and, and God just sort of was like, okay, duh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yes, and look what I did with David, and um, and I, there's so many people who feel like they can't be the right one, because they can't be who God wants to use, because what do I know, or look at the family I grew up in, or look at my story, or, you know, I, I just started reading the Bible, or, you know, I'm not a very good reader, or I'm an, I get really embarrassed of social anxiety, or whatever it may be. And I've heard all kinds of things, and, and I've struggled with all kinds of things. But, um, but just if if you feel God whispering to you, just do it. Don't think, just do it, and um, you can make great things out of little things. And that's just what God does. God, right. God's the one doing it, not us. You know, I, I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm the preacher's wife, and half the time I I feel like, well, I. Don't always know what's going on or what we're doing, but I'm here. <laughs> well, I, what, what I see when I'm here is I see <laughs> that you love on people, mm-hmm. and and you share the love of Christ, uh, just like you wanted to do in Africa. You're doing it right here, and I don't know that there's any better place to end except to tell you, uh, David among the, the the giants with the preacher, your story fits so well. I'm amazed at how many of the stories of all these interviews I've done. Mm-hmm how they, uh, so many of them flow along the same line mm-hmm. that uh, certain different cir- circumstances and all, but it's still circumstances that God used that brings mm-hmm. us to where we're at. And I hope our listeners are encouraged by this. And maybe there's some young person, I know we do have young people that listen to this because they tell me they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's some in, in, uh, someone in high school who's mm-hmm. thinking, I'm not raised in a uh, my family's not Christian. I'm the only Christian here. I, I, what can I do? I have no idea mm-hmm. how to be a preacher or how to be a missionary. Well, neither did Courtney, <laughs> but she did it anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So if if you believe, listeners, that this um, could be an encouragement, this podcast would be an encouragement to your friends or coworkers in Christ or some young person that is in your youth group that you know is struggling, I hope you'll sit down with them and share it. Just listen to it with them, if you could, and share it with these folks. And uh, be surprised what God can what God can do when someone is encouraged along these lines. Mm-hmm. Well, until next time, Courtney, I want to thank you for mm-hmm. taking time to be with me and sharing. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye. And may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.